0: Oh, Round one. Welcome back, Fight Fans. You are now tuned into to the Unprofessional Expert. I am JMC. Go ahead, like, follow, subscribe. We are on socials. Tell a friend to tell a best friend to tell an auntie to share it with a grandparent. Because if you do not, I will fight you in real life. Once again, on socials. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. We also have audio options as well, like Spotify and even more. Today, we have a very special guest. I want to let you know that the champ is here. (laughs) I just want to repeat that. The champ is here. (laughs) I'm losing my voice. (laughs) All right. And by champion, I do mean layman, relentless Brewster. Former WBO heavyweight champion of the world. Thank you for joining us today.
1: What's up, baby? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great.
0: Thank right you for on. asking.
1: Like I'm, the intro. Like the intro. I'm,
0: I'm trying. I lost my voice a little bit, but that's <laughs> all we <what> can do. <laughs> I am excited. Thank you for joining us today. I right don't. One more thing before we get started. Today's episode does feature the champions brew. It is the coffee with a punch i will go ahead and add a link in bio below that takes you directly to the website where you can go ahead and make your purchase feel free to also take part in the black eye challenge details are listed on the website once again the champions brew as you can see it is here on the table the coffee with a punch. all right so just to get started on that, um, you had a very successful boxing career, and we are now promoting the Champions Brew. Um, what happened there? What led to the Champions Brew?
1: Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for the introduction. Um, <clears throat> so after I retired from boxing, I was trying to figure out my why, uh, or should I say what? <laughs> uh, what, what, am I, what next? What? You know, I'm, I've always been driven by my faith that God has been leading me. And I was trying to understand, like, number one, why did, he, why did he tell me to leave Los Angeles and come back to Indiana for, like, no apparent reason? And then when I got here, why did, why did I uh, just sit in the house for a year? Like, I'm just asking God these questions. And so everything that I've done has been been driven by my faith, by my belief. And uh, I believe that God has sent me back here so that I can try to help our city to to curb this killing. I've been, I've been, um. St- I started a boxing program, which is a mental health program called, uh, um, excuse me, I started a nonprofit organization. Let me say that first called Brewster's Place. And it's uh, Brewster's Dot Place. And it's a non-art it's a nonprofit organization that is based upon teaching young men and young women how to perceive life as a fight because life is a fight. So what I do is I teach and I say I, because I started it, but there are other world champions like Riddick Bow and James Tony and Chris Byrd and Ray Mercer and Tim Witherspoon's. There's a whole lot of world champions. Um, Austin Trout. It's, it's a lot of, fighters that are part of Brewster's plays, and it's all about teaching young men how to perceive life as a fight based upon a punch, based upon your stance. Your stance is based upon your your mental stance. You have, you have three type of mental stances in life, and you have three type of boxing styles in the ring. You have an aggressive style like a Mike Tyson. You have a defensive style like a Muhammad Ali, and you have a counter-puncher style, which is like a Floyd Mayweather, you know. uh, Basically, each punch that I've thrown or been hit with is broken down on paper using mental health experts to help people to be able to under, enter, and overstand how these punches, what they correlate to in life. This nonprofit organization, Bruce's Place, is based upon teaching young men And young women, how to perceive life as a fight, because life is a fight. And so, in order to fund this program, you know, instead of out there asking people for money, I was asking God to show me a way that I can fund this program because I'm paying world champions to mentor to young individuals. Something just came over me, and it just said coffee. And I said, "Well, this must be God, because uh, I never ever considered coffee. I never ever thought about." using coffee in in terms of uh, a way to make money for any cause. And so when I got into it and I learned the power of coffee, it's one of the most traded commodities on the face of the earth. And I said, well, you know what? This could be like in my mind as I'm thinking in the hood. When you consider everybody knows somebody to drink coffee instead of us buying coffee that is going to some rich dude that's sitting on a yacht, that's looking to buy a bigger yacht, why don't we spend money locally with, with, the, with, with the coffee that comes directly back into the community? Because what I'm doing is I'm taking these funds and I'm not just putting it in the, in the hands, of, of the pockets of, of these champs to teach these, these uh, positive affirmations. I'm also putting the money back into the actual young men by having them work to try to sell the coffee to, to have a passive income. You're not going to want to go out into the street. It's going to make you want to move differently because money affects the way that people think and feel about themselves. And when a young man think, oh, I gotta hustle because that's what the rap music tell us that we gotta do. That's what the music videos tell us we should do. That's what the movies tell us that we should do. But when these young men have an opportunity to say to their sisters, their aunties, their cousins, their family, their friends, their employees, hey man, hey hey sis, hey aunt, hey mama, would, would you would you um, consider buying some coffee from me? And now when this young individual sees that they making this this passive income without even lifting a finger. Ain't no way they finna get in trouble. Cause the minute they get in trouble, the people that are supporting them ain't gonna support them anymore. Ain't no way these young men are gonna wanna get in trouble because they don't want they don't want that money to stop. You know what I mean? So that that's what that's what Champions Brew was all about, man.
0: Yes, sir. That is what the community needs, what the boxing community needs, what the young Boys and girls need, they need someone who is willing to give back, someone who is willing to fight back, someone who is willing to give them a chance. And so the Champions Brew does present those opportunities. It allows for the youth and the community to have a fighting chance. I do like that, and I actually appreciate someone who actually cares about the youth and is willing to put something together to give the youth a chance. So thinking about the youth and where these aspirations start. I do see that, um, I was able to see that you started boxing at a young age, at seven years old. You know, for me, I walked into a boxing gym and I just fell in love. I never wanted to leave. Uh, what's your backstory? Uh, what, what got you into the sport of boxing?
1: My mama. <laughs> so at the age of seven, my mother had some company over at our house when I was a kid. And, uh, like any any kid, you want to be in the living room or wherever the, the adults are uh, being the, the entertainment. And so I guess I was uh, irritating them <laughs> like any, any child does, showing out and everything. So she sent me to my room. So when she sent me to my room, I was upset. I wanted to be out there with them. So I uh, ended up taking this drum set that she had just bought me, a single parent black woman, bought her son a a brand new drum set in the 70s, the late 70s. And I tore them drums, I tore them up, man. So after the company left, she tore me up. And so when I came home from school the next day, she was still mad. She was sitting on the couch when I walked in and she was looking at me. She said, you know what? we're going to do something with all that energy. We're going gonna, to gonna get you into, we're going to find something for you to do. And, you know, I'm like, okay, well, let's do karate. You know what I mean? Because I grew up watching Kung Fu Theater, so I wanted to be Bruce Lee, so take me to the karate gym. And so we went down the street to this uh, local community center called Riverside on the west side. And uh, she uh, had tried to, get me into all the sports that they had there, any sport that they had there. But there was an age limit at that time. You had to be 10 and older. But the last stop in Riverside was this boxing gym. It was a program called Soros Johnson Boxing Gym under under Mr. Bob Chambers. And I walked into that gym with my mom. And when I walked into the gym... I immediately came to life when I smelled that gym and when I seen them dudes with their shirts off. Man, it was a wrap. It was like I became possessed. And uh, she left me at that gym. I wasn't even old enough, but I was tall enough. And the coach thought my mother was cute. (laughs) So anyway, she left me. And she still ain't came back. So what I did, man, is I went to the gym. I dedicated myself to working hard. And then I eventually uh, started going to the Christian Moore house across the river in Hallville. And uh, what I noticed was, because now we're talking about the 90s. Uh, this was the late 80s, early 90s. And what, what ended up happening was that because the crack era was, was so brutal, and so many of my friends was getting killed. And so many of my friends was going to jail trying to, trying to buy the Michael Jordans, you know, to have enough money to have, have school closed because most of my parents was working hard, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. So instead of selling drugs like my friends, I stayed in the boxing gym because when I was at the boxing gym after school, It gave me an excuse not to be out in the street because a lot of people was getting killed like on a weekly basis and boxing saved my life. The roots of how I pretty much started boxing.
0: I think the feeling of being a part of something is what saves a lot of people. Um, Similar story. It keeps you out of the street and keeps you safe and you're actually doing something positive with your time and with your life. And so boxing definitely saves lives. And I think a lot of people need to know that Um, the mentorship that can come from it, the discipline that you learn from it is a very, all of those things are extremely important. So at the age of seven, when you walk into that boxing ring, you go through the ups, the downs, um, you have quite the journey. And I just want to fast forward to a specific moment in your career. You are in, a world title fight. Your opponent is Vladimir Klitschko. He's hurt. You hurt him. He's down. The ref stops the fight. In that moment, you have now become a world champion. If heavyweight can, champion. Heavyweight Don't forget champion. the heavyweight. <laughs> Don't forget
1: the heavyweight because you got a lot of weights in boxing, but heavyweight is the highest weight the largest weight and the biggest fighters you can fight on the planet earth around the world, heavyweight division.
0: <laughs> Sir, WBO heavyweight champion of the world. I think from a child, as you, the first time you pick up those gloves, uh, you think about the glory, you think about that big moment, and you actually accomplished it. If you could speak on that feeling in that moment when it happens, how did that feel for you?
1: Uh, You know, to answer that question, man, um, I just have to take a deep breath. <laughs> well, it, it, is a, it is one of the greatest feelings that I think that a man, and maybe a woman, I can't speak for a woman, but as a man, it's one of the greatest achievements that I've ever accomplished because all my life I've wanted to become a world champion from the time that Sugar Ray Leonard beat Marvin Hagler, my spirit that day when Sugar Ray Leonard beat Marvin Hagler rose up out of me when the ESPN came across the screen and said, they announced that Sugar Ray Leonard had beat Marvin Hagler, and I'm sitting here watching television. I'm sitting here in the basement. And, you know, that da da da-da-da, and then the announcement. Sugar Ray Leonard has defeated Marvin Hagler, man, I, I, listen, I lost it. I was sitting here with my legs crossed, man, sitting in front of our, our floor model Zenith television. I never forget it. I remember it like yesterday and my spirit literally rose up out of my body, like looking down at me and something just told me you're going to be champion of the world. And Marvin Hagler was my idol. Now, don't get me wrong. I idol Sugar Ray Leonard too, but the thing I loved about Marvin Hagler was the fact that he didn't—he didn't talk. He didn't try to act tough. He didn't try to dress fancy. He just came to fight, and fight he did. And so, I knew that being that I've gotten this message from my from my spirit that this was what I was going to set out to do because, like I said, I had already been boxing. But I just I just believed that that day changed my life, that announcement. And I just trained hard every day. I, I remember getting up before I would go to school, man, and I would be... I, would, I used to see my bus driver taking another school, uh, another class from another school, uh, or should I say kids, to cla um to to the school, man. And I, and I would always talk to her, like she yeah, it was cold this morning. You was out there running. I did it for so long. And just, just to flash back, man, there was a there's a guy by the name of Marvin Johnson, who's also like a hero to me. He's Indiana's uh light heavyweight champion of the world, man, back in the 70s. Great guy, man. And I should watch him run when I was a kid on the bus, and I should judge that dude like, man, this fool crazy because it's zero degrees outside. He running, and then we fast forward ten years later. Here I am. I'm out here doing the same thing, man. But um, I say that because he helped lead the way for me, man. But Mar- Marvin Hagler, he 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 was really my inspiration, and uh, you know, from that point on, I just I just I I did everything that I felt that I could do to become successful, man. And that was all the sacrifices that you have to make. But the beautiful thing about it is that now that I'm retired, I get to tell people and teach people and show people by track record what sacrifice, what sacrifice is. It ain't a sacrifice if it don't hurt. And, you know, less is more. And so for me to, to, to sacrifice going out to the clubs and, drinking and eating and just all the worldly things that people do, man, by me dedicating myself to wanting to be a world champion, man. And I naturally didn't start out saying heavyweight champion, but every year or every two years, I just continued to grow up. shall I say develop into another weight until I eventually became a heavyweight. But I prayed to God for so long to allow me to become heavyweight champion of the world. that Even after I won the title, even after I won the title for eight months, it was like I couldn't stop praying to God to allow me to be heavyweight champion of the world because that's all I've been praying for since I was a kid. I believe I was around the age of like 13 or so when uh, Sugar Ray Leonard fought Marvin Hagler. So imagine from 13 to 31 praying to God every day to ask to let you be a champion of the world and then like I said, uh, over the years, as I, as I went up in weight, I went from all these different weights to so I got the heavyweight. So even, even my prayer stayed the same with the exception of let me be middleweight champion. Let me be light heavyweight champion. Let me be cruiserweight champion. Lord, let me be heavyweight champion. But like I said, I... I Prayed for so long, it became repetition. It became habit that for eight months, even after I won the title, I had to stop myself in the middle of prayer. I mean, Lord, let me... Oh, no, thank you, Lord. I'm here champion. <laughs> you
0: can only imagine that feeling. Indescribable. You are now champion of the world, and even more so, a genuine prayer answered. I don't think there's anything that can compare to that feeling. As you are going through your journey, you know, through those ups and downs, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the things that you have to overcome, there's people telling you what to do, how to fight, what not to do, how not to fight. Um, What advice do you think helped you the most on your journey to becoming a champ?
1: Hmm. I want you to repeat that again, just so I can try to process what you're saying, because my mind went a thousand different ways.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just thinking about you know, all the people in your ear telling you how to carry yourself, how to fight, um, your trainers, your coaches, your friends, your family. You know, every time you pick up a pair of gloves, there's somebody in your ear telling you what to do inside of the ring and also outside of the ring. Was there a vice that stuck with you? Was there something that someone said that you carried with you and helped you on your journey?
1: Yes. His name was Bruce Lee, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Because Bruce Lee was a philosopher, and he had many philosophies about life that I was able to carry into the ring and outside of the ring, and the Bible, naturally, as it says, the meek shall inherit the earth. And Bruce Lee used to always have quotes about like being formless, being being like water. If you pour water into a cup, it'll become the cup. If you pour it in the teapot, it becomes a teapot. Now water can flow or water can crash. Be water, my friend. And everybody you fight is a different cup. Everybody you fight is a different teapot. Every every promoter, every manager, every sparring partner. So if you're not able to conform you can't overcome. And so because I always had that mindset that Bruce Lee helped me to have, which is to be formless, I could always fit <clears throat> in any scene that I went in, whether I was in Finland or Germany or Russia, Italy, it don't matter. Wherever I went, I could fit in. And because I I wanted to make sure that I didn't feel stupid <laughs> when I walked into rooms and met all these Different people with different vocabularies. I made sure that I did what Muhammad Ali did. I read the dictionary and I found words. I still do it. I not, knowledge, is, knowledge is, he said, wisdom above all things is a principal thing. You know what I mean? So, it was that with all that getting, get understanding. And that's in the Bible. He said, wisdom is, wisdom is greater than gold, it's greater than diamonds, it's greater than money. And so for me, it's all about trying to educate myself so that I can hopefully affect others by the way that I carry myself, by the way that I talk. Because when I left Indiana in 1991 and went out to Los Angeles after I graduated uh, high school, George Washington, continental, baby. The point is, when I got out to Los Angeles, I, I met a lot of people that wasn't from the hood or was from the hood, but was educated. And I felt stupid being in a room full of lawyers, full of these uh, important people, if you will. And I couldn't, I didn't, f- I felt intimidated to the to the extent that I didn't feel like I wanted to ha- have a real open conversation with them because I didn't understand all the words that they were using. You know, you fake it till you make it, man, but you can only fake it but so much. So I wanted to be... I wanted to be able to stand on my own two feet. And that's another version of being formless. Because you, if you cannot adapt to the environment, if you're in the hood, you can't speak hood. If you're in Beverly Hills and you can't speak Beverly Hills, then you can't win. And so for me, again, going back to Bruce Lee and, and just the, his, his uh, philosophies, I always try to educate myself man so that i can fit into any and every environment boxing is a form of martial arts it's the specialization of using the hands and the feet you know um off all all physical forms of fighting is a form of martial arts you know what i mean because because it's, it's the specialization in that particular field, whatever it is, whatever it may be, whether it's, it's uh, UFC or boxing or kickboxing or taekwondo or Muay Thai, whatever it may be, it's, it's a form of martial arts. You know, I hate that people don't understand that boxing is not about two people hitting each other. It's the art and science of hitting without getting hit. And that came from Honey Boy Bill Brown, my, my trainer at the Christian House, who really, he was the one that really taught me the art and science of boxing, the art of hitting without getting hit. He had 330 bare knuckle fights during the Depression days. He's out f- from Louisville, Kentucky. He used to hobo with Jack Dempsey, as a matter of fact, back in the day. And then when I went to Los Angeles, my trainer, his name was Bill Slayton, Bill Slayton trained Ken Norton. Ken Norton was his first heavyweight champion. I was his last heavyweight champion.
0: Rest in peace. Sir, iconic, iconic, iconic individuals to be like water. That is sound advice. And I believe that I will actually carry that with me myself. I do appreciate that, to be like water. I won't forget that.
1: Yeah, don't, don't never allow yourself to be set in your mind that this is what it has to be. Because that is just like saying all sides of a mountain are the same. So it don't matter which side I go up. No. Sometimes, sometimes the quickest way to the top is the roughest passage. You know what I mean? Some and sometimes the, the, the longest way is, is the shortest route. It just depends on the obstacles that are there. So
0: that's, that's just my mindset, man be formless the quickest way to the top sometimes is the roughest passage i feel like we're dropping gems here <laughs> this morning i do appreciate that that advice that is extremely sound advice that's something that people can carry with them. that is important i, I think that kind of goes back to the Brewster's place you know and the champions brew just that that advice that mentorship is coming out <laughs> as you're speaking over these questions i appreciate it thank you
1: no thank you man uh any any chance that i have to be able to talk about bruce's place i'm going to do it because it's so important because i have i have lost so many friends i'm tired of going to funerals there's so many of these young men that come to me i used to think that they wanted to learn how to box but they don't really want to learn how to box as much as they just want somebody to care about them. They want somebody to say no. They want somebody to have an expectation on their lives. These young men don't have an expectation on their lives today. What is their expectation? Make some money? I mean, what is their expectation? The The Bible says to... to honor thy mother, honor thy father. How many of these young men out here trying to honor their fathers? Oh, forgive me. Their fathers didn't grow up in the same household as them because the majority of minorities anyway, and this ain't about color, but the point is the welfare system destroyed my people, and it destroyed a lot of people because you give the woman all this food and, and housing and clothing, but you won't let the man stay there And we all know that no woman, no matter how great or how strong she is, she cannot raise a boy to be a man, and that takes a man. And every time a man is in the presence of a boy, and especially when it's his father, they got their full attention. Like me, even though my father didn't grow up in a house uh, with me, he didn't grow up too far, but the point is, every time he was around, I was listening, even when he didn't think that I was listening. I was listening. And my stepdad, every time that he was talking, even he didn't think I was listening. I was listening. So I became the poster child of how a young man is supposed to do, be and act. Not to say I didn't make mistakes. I made plenty of mistakes, but by the grace and glory of God, I'm here. But now that I'm here, I got to give back because when I stand before him, I got to give account for my deeds, not because I was good, and not because I was bad, because good people do bad shit. Bad people do good shit. So I'm here to do the best that I can do. So when I stand before God, I can say that I did what you asked me to do, which is to be a shepherd to
0: your sheep. To be humble, to be a servant of God and to spread that. I think that's one of the most honorable things that as people, what we can do. To care, to give back. There's just not a lot of people who still have humanity, and so that that in itself is a blessing.
1: Well, I I say that because my life is because people care. I'm here because people care. I I tell people the only re- the only reason why I became heavyweight champion of the world is because they didn't charge me to go into the boxing gym. Because if I if I would have had to pay money. I would have been out on the street. I probably would have been another statistic. But because I was spared by his grace and mercy, I'm just here to tell people that when you take a chance on somebody else, you're paying it forward. And you might you might eventually run into a layman Brewster who is trying to make a difference in his world, not by what I say, but by what I do and how I act. So.
0: sir. Sure. As a champion of the world, you came from a specific crop, a different type of crop, a different breed of fighters. We have a new breed of fighters, a new crop of heavyweights. Got some tall guys. Got some fast guys. Got some boxers. Got some pure punchers. If you could select a guy right now, a current heavyweight, um, who would be your favorite? It'd be Tyson Fury.
1: He earned my respect. In the beginning, I didn't respect Tyson Fury, but over the years, through his actions, I, I, I came to be a supporter of his because he talked to talk, he walked the walk, and it's not natural to see a guy Six nine, bouncing on his toes with a jerky, jerky style, and that's why he was able to beat Deontay Wilder in the first fight because that that particular style is a style that even my coach, uh, Bill Slayton, taught, which is that jerky, jerky. For a guy that can punch really hard, when you got a jerky, jerky style and constant movement, it 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 makes the the fighter, the puncher, like a Deontay Wilder, starts it make them second guess themselves. It make them think. Well, maybe the timing wouldn't be there to throw the punch because he's always moving because a guy that has big punches wants to be able to hit you accurately with one big shot like a Deontay Wilder, but because a guy like um, Tyson Fury was smart enough to keep moving and keep throwing those feints at him, it made made Deontay Wilder question his his self, which allowed him to take advantage of that. That was a very smart chess move, man. I, I have so much respect. From that time on, I really respected uh, Tyson Tyson Fury. It wasn't based upon his power. It wasn't based upon his size, but it was based upon his brain. And like Evander Holyfield said, and that's why I always respected Evander, he said, you might be bigger, you might be stronger, but you got to be smarter to beat me. And so I took that. Again, that's another life lesson for me, another philosophy that that I just ingrained into my style that if you're going to beat me, you're going to beat me because you're smarter than me. You know what I mean? I only, like, I've had a lot of injuries that a lot of people didn't know about, but majority of my losses was always because of I had an injury, but I fought on like a true champion
0: would, so. Sir Tyson Fury, amazing fighter, current WBC heavyweight champion of the world. He does have an upcoming matchup. Is Yusek. I think he going to beat Yusek. I do, too. <laughs> because he's not
1: going to fight Yusek uh, like a small heavyweight, and that was the mistake that Anthony Joshua made. Like, if you're going to fight a guy that's skilled, use your weight on him. Use your size. Lay on this dude. dude. You know what I mean? Vladimir Klitschko did that perfectly. That's why he he was the second longest-reigning heavyweight champion in history. You know, be smart. Use what you got, man.
0: I definitely agree with that take. I have Tyson Fury in that matchup. Should be an exciting fight. Yeah, but I do believe that Tyson Fury will be come out victorious. I want to change pace here. Something I want to do. I will call this rapid fire. All right. So I'm just gonna give you some fantasy matchups. All right. All right. And just the first name that comes to mind, you can give me that name. I'm just gonna go to the next matchup. Um, so I'm excited about this. I've been thinking about this all night. <laughs> Rapid fire fantasy matchups, all right? So I'm going to give you a matchup. You just tell me the winner. We don't have to go over it unless your answer is truly diabolical. Then You huh. might have to. <laughs> but I'm going to give you a matchup. You can give me who you think wins, and I'll just go to the next matchup. All right? All right. I'll all do my right. best. <laughs> Number one, James lights out Tony versus smoking. Joe Frazier.
1: James Tony. Interesting. Well, I say that because Joe Frazier, he, 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 he actually has a type of style that is made for James Tony. Why? Because James Tony's a counterpuncher. If you look at Joe Frazier after he threw every single punch, he was always still there. You can't fight James Tony and throw a punch and think he ain't going to counter you. It ain't like Frazier knew how to. It ain't, I ain't going to say he didn't. Know how, but I I just didn't see him do it. He he didn't throw his punches and pivot out. He didn't throw his punches and fall in. He didn't throw his punches and smother the man. A guy like James Tony, I sparred more rounds with James Tony than any fighter in my entire career. You hear me? From the time I was seven, I speak to James Tony every single day for years, man. His family, Angie and his kids, they they like family to me, and and my family's like family to him. So. You know, I I know this dude on, on such a deep level that when I spar I sparred with him so much that with my eyes closed, I knew what he could do, so I should give him hell.
0: <laughs> Shout out James Tony, also another icon in boxing multiple divisions in which he became champion. All right. Next matchup: Sugar Ray Leonard versus Floyd, Money Mayweather.
1: I would say Sugar Ray Leonard. And the reason why I say that because Sugar Ray Leonard, he he had something that other fighters don't even have to this day. The speed, the power, the defense. Sugar Ray Leonard didn't throw punches and stay there. And he used to and he does something that no longer even exists in boxing today. It's called Shushan. And he was Shushan Floyd. You can't you can't, you know what I mean, like, try to counter all that when somebody shoe shining you and then they getting out. All you gonna do is roll one big punch and try to come back, but Sugar Ray would never, he's not that type of fighter. And so, I say Sugar Ray, in, in my opinion. You know, and I don't, I don't, I'm the type of person that, I'm like this, this is my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, like I got all these scars on my face. Like, they say that, that the most beautiful lion in the jungle is the one with the most scars. That's the one I want to hang with. Somebody that's been through some things. So anybody's opinion outside of mine, I really don't care because you ain't never been hit in the face. You don't know what it's like to knock nobody out. And I've knocked a man out on every continent on the face of the earth, with the exception of the North and South Pole, because they don't make Esk- Eskimos my size.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right, one more. Last one. I like this one a lot. So I'm really interested in what your opinion would be. Terrence, Bud Crawford versus Tommy, the Hitman Hearns.
1: Wow. Okay, man. So it's crazy that you say that because Bud Crawford reminds me of a true throwback fighter. And the thing that I would say to that is because they both are very well skilled. The reason why I'm going to say what I'm going to say, well, let me just say it and then explain it. I'm going to go with Tommy Hearns. I'm going to tell you why. Because Tommy has height, he has reach, and he has power. So the only thing better than a good little man is a good big man. You know what I mean? And that's what made Vladimir Klitschko so good because he wasn't just a big man. He was a big man that could fight. I mean, he he has the fastest jab that I ever seen in the heavyweight division. You know what I mean? Like his jab was like a whip, man. I couldn't wait for that dude to get tired. But the point I'm making is with Tommy Harris, he's going to he would keep his distance from 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 a, a a Bud Crawford, man. And that right hand, man, it had destruction on it and there's just no way like Mike Tyson said, everybody got playing plan until I get hit, until they, until they get hit. And so a dude like Tommy Hearns would hit him, or hit a fighter with the right hand and change their whole outlook on boxing, ask, uh Roberto Duran.
0: I like that perspective, not to be too stuck in the moment and pick Crawford, but to really analyze that matchup. He's up. a
1: great fighter, he's a great fighter. But like I say, the only thing better than a, a, a small great fighter is a bigger great fighter. With the same speed, but even more power, man. Tommy Henry's right hand will knock a mountain down, man. And Bud Crawford, he got all that skill, but the minute he get hit with that right hand, he start thinking different. Trust me.
0: Yes, sir. I do like those predictions. Some I agree with, some maybe, yeah, maybe so, not. <laughs> hey, man,
1: you know what the thing is? Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Yes, sir. Everybody, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like you, I Like, I would never even judge a person that didn't know boxing. Why? Because I, I'm not standing in their shoes. I don't, I don't know how they learn how to walk or ride a bike. I don't know how many fights they've been in. I don't know if they ever uh, went to bed hungry. So for me to try to tell somebody how to think and feel, man, like that's wrong. You know what I mean? sir?
0: Thank you once again for participating in the <laughs> Rapid Fire Fantasy Matchup questions. That is actually all the time that we have today. Thank you once again for coming in and speaking with us today. If you didn't already know, we have layman, relentless Brewster, former WBO heavyweight champion of the world.
1: And record holder of the fastest knockout in heavyweight history in a world title fight. 53 seconds of the first round over Andrew golota And I always throw that in because coming from Indiana, being Indiana's first and only world heavyweight champion, being Indiana's first and only world heavyweight champion, boxing Hall of Fame inductee, to be able to say that I hold the record for the fastest knockout in heavyweight history in a championship title fight—that means a lot to me as well. So, forgive me for being, uh, what? What's the word you want to use? Uh, what? What? What is it? Who? Who? I got big lips. Whatever he said. <laughs> but uh, I just want to ask people. Please support Champions Brew Coffee. You can buy a cup of coffee and make your community safer, make the world a safer place, or not, and then run the risk of one of these young men wanting to break into your house. What I'm doing, me and other world champions, we're working together to teach these young men through Zoom how to perceive life as a fight. Life is all about perception. Success is all about perception. And we teach that we, we work with mental health specialists that is broken help us to break it down on paper to help help it translate so that people can over enter and understand how life is perceived because school teaches education but boxing teaches application and my mathematical equation is education without application leads to a life of frustration that's why we got a lot of uh, educated fools out here because they got the education but their parents. And the world did not teach them about application. You can't learn that watching Scarface.
0: Sir, that is Layman Relentless Brewster. If you see it on the table, I'm sorry, you do see it on the table, the Champions Brew, there will be a link and bio below. Go ahead and head directly to the website. Order your purchase today. Also, feel free to take part in the Black Eye Challenge. Those details are also listed on the website. Follow us on socials, Instagram, Instagram, tiktok facebook twitter we also have audio options as well for example like spotify and more once again i am jmc you are now tuned in to the unprofessional expert that is all for today until next time